Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. But first, let's catch up with some of the day's top headlines. The funeral procession of Representative John Lewis made a final march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. The civil rights icon will be laid to rest in Georgia this week. Tropical Storm Hannah made landfall over the weekend, bringing heavy rains and winds to South Texas and northeastern Mexico. And Bloomberg reports this morning that President Trump's Director of National Security, Robert O'Brien, has tested positive for COVID-19. Federal agents are putting more and more pressure on protesters across the United States. What started in just a 12-block section of downtown Portland is spreading around the country. Now people from Los Angeles to Seattle to Austin to New York are demonstrating to show support for Portland's activists. In Oakland, California, some people smashed windows, destroyed property, and set a federal courthouse on fire. In Seattle, where the police chief is calling demonstrations a riot, at least 45 protesters were arrested. In response, federal agents who've been authorized by the Department of Homeland Security fired pepper spray back at protesters. But protesters, including the Wall of Moms and the dads and veterans who are now joining them, well, they're not budging. They're demanding that the feds stand down. Masha Gessen analyzes this moment in a column for The New Yorker. Gessen grew up in Russia and writes a lot about the rise of fascism and is calling this an unprecedented moment for DHS. The Department of Homeland Security was created just after 9-11. It was sort of the cobbling together of a lot of different agencies under a single umbrella. And its original mandate was to protect the homeland from terrorists. Then later, that became protecting the homeland from undocumented immigrants. Now it's being deployed against civilian protesters. Gessen also writes about the lack of congressional oversight. Chad Wolf has been the acting director of DHS since November, but Mm -hmm. the Senate never confirmed him. And as President Trump continues to focus his re-election effort on cities and this idea of law and order, Gessen warns that an emboldened DHS could pave the way for modern-day secret police. We turn now to police officers and how some deal with mental health calls. President Trump recently signed an executive order which calls for police departments to offer de-escalation training. Now, this is a tactic that's supposed to be helpful in situations when police encounter people who are in the middle of a mental health crisis. Hannah Dreyer at The Washington Post spent several shifts with a police officer in Huntsville, Alabama, who just went through this kind of training. The officer's name is Thomas Parker. He is a former Marine with hundreds of hours of firearm and tactical training. And Dreyer gives us a passenger seat view of what Officer Parker's patrols are like just after the training. And one day, Parker responds to a call about an emotionally disturbed woman with a knife and a gun in an apartment complex. And he is very aware of how wrong the situation can go. A crowd of the woman's neighbors have gathered around him. They're all watching. They're pointing their cell phones at him. And he starts using the techniques that he learned in de-escalation training. He uses her first name. He repeats her words back to her. He puts his hand close to his heart to demonstrate sincerity. But none of that is working. Parker is trying to get the woman to agree to go to the hospital. She's refusing. And he keeps worrying that she's going to reach for her gun, which is out of his sight. 
Then suddenly, it starts to rain. And I mean, it really starts to pour. The crowd thins out. The woman calms down and she agrees to go to the hospital. That was just one of about eight mental health calls that Huntsville PD gets a day. Mm -hmm. The department gets a total of about 3,000 calls for emotionally disturbed people a year. And according to the American Psychiatric Association, the best approach is to have mental health professionals respond to calls like this with de-escalation training. Officer Parker agrees with that. The way that he sees it, his training did not save him. The rain did. He tells the reporter one class is not enough. And by the way, there's evidence that sending in mental health professionals works. Earlier this month, CNN profiled the town of Eugene, Oregon. For nearly 30 years, that town has been sending medics and counselors to respond to nonviolent 911 calls when somebody is having a mental health crisis. And according to the article, this approach has saved the city millions of dollars each year in public safety costs, ambulance trips, and ER visits. Now, there are links to both of these articles in our show notes page. It's been 30 years since the Americans with Disabilities Act was signed into law by President George H.W. Bush. This act is powerful in its simplicity. It will ensure that people with disabilities are given the basic guarantees for which they have worked so long and so hard. Most people call this law the ADA, and it protects people with disabilities from discrimination. One in four Americans are living with some sort of disability. And while the ADA was a major achievement for the civil rights of people with disabilities, the fact is so much of American life remains inaccessible today. Abigail Abrams writes for Time magazine, and she explains that Americans with disabilities are more likely to experience poverty or to be incarcerated. Children with disabilities are less likely to graduate from high school and adults have a harder time getting hired. Yeah, there's an article in Fast Company that focuses on American city infrastructure. According to a recent study, even 30 years after ADA became a law, people with disabilities can't access 65% of curb ramps, 48% of sidewalks. Mm -hmm. And a big reason for that lack of compliance, states don't actively require local governments to create what are known as ADA transition plans. And as the article says, Many localities only update their infrastructure to be compliant with the ADA when other renovations are necessary, which leads to a kind of patchwork approach to accessibility. Yeah, lawsuits also get the job done. <laughs> ADA violations can put pressure on city agencies. And Fast Company points out that legal pressure, and not to mention the bad press that comes with legal pressure, can also encourage surrounding towns to head off a lawsuit. That's partly why this article says we're starting to see local governments proactively making ADA transition plans. We're less than 100 days away from the November election, and we're seeing Joe Biden ahead of President Trump in poll after poll. A new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll shows Trump trailing Joe Biden. Quinnipiac, you see the stretch? 15 points. This new poll shows President Trump has a very slight lead. A series of national and state polls show Joe Biden expanding his lead over President Trump. The latest is a CNN poll from this weekend, which shows Joe Biden ahead in Arizona, Florida, and Michigan. You having deja vu at this point yet? Well, in 2016, the polls told a very similar story. Mm -hmm. They all but guaranteed a Hillary Clinton victory. 
So what are we supposed to think about polls this time around? An article in Wired explains a lot of national polls can accurately tell us which candidates have more support, but ultimately, elections aren't won in the popular vote. They're won in the Electoral College. So some advice for looking at polls, when in doubt, look at the methodology. Take a look at the sample size. Definitely look at who conducted the poll. Wired says if it was conducted by a campaign, don't trust it. Same goes for any unscientific poll that you might see on Facebook or on Twitter. For a good list of tips, we'll also link to a 10-step checklist called How to Read Polls in 2020. It was put together by 538, the polling analysis site. And remember, polls are snapshots, not predictions. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of this week's audio stories. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.